0: Welcome in to the Galloway Podcast, episode 63. I'm your host, William Galloway. Today is Monday, January 4th, 2021. I want to wish everybody out there a happy new year. I know it's been a while since we've had Galloway Podcast, but I want to thank you for sticking in there and finishing up 2020 strong. We are into the new year, and that means we have plenty of things to talk about. I'll be joined by Brandon Marcello, National College football reporter for 247 Sports here shortly to preview Alabama and Ohio State in the national championship. And while a lot did happen in the last two and a half weeks, I'm not going to sit there and bore you with all the details and my thoughts and opinions on what happened because everybody has their own take on what's going on during bowl season in the past couple of weeks. And so I will just want to highlight a couple things before we get started. So we'll go through what's new and a couple of things that have happened that stand out in my mind. But obviously there's so much that happened, we don't have to go into grave detail about that. We'll talk to Brandon Marcello, preview the national championship, discuss the semifinals a little bit and what happened in those games as Alabama and Ohio State won the Rose Bowl and Sugar Bowl respectively. And then as we always do, we'll finish up with around Alabama Athletics. So wanna remind everybody the Galloway Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. So check that out as you slowly continue to ring in the new year. Once again, happy twenty twenty-one to everybody. You can follow me on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway. I would love any questions, comments, concerns, feedback you have on the Galloway Podcast. You can find me there on Twitter. So let's go ahead and jump right into it here on episode 63. Obviously a lot happened as I talked about and a couple things that stand out to me specifically in ball season. You look back since before the SEC championship there's been a lot of coaching turnovers all across the league but really none more significant in the state of Alabama than Brian Harson being hired from Boise State to Auburn. Now that coaching search lasted nine days. It took what felt like an eternity for auburn fans for alabama fans for people keeping an eye on it in college football and you know i think what ended up happening was they had kevin Steele, and they thought they had kevin Steele, and the way it's been at auburn in my opinion is the people that write the checks have complete control and as long as the people that write the checks and pay the money to the coaches have complete control you will never be able to a coach will never be able to fully have a grip on the program and run things the way he wants to L- let me let me just put it this way do you think nick saban listens to the people that write his paycheck might be friends with him. He might go to dinner with him. But Nick Saban has complete control over the Alabama football program, and rightfully so. I mean, you look what he's done as he enters his 14th year now in Tuscaloosa, and he's deserved it and he's earned it. And Brian Harson is stepping into a new role at Auburn where he's not going to have complete control. And unless he can really turn things around in year one or two, I think the board and the trustees and the people that write the checks are still going to be having a say in terms of oh you got to keep this guy you got to keep that coach well we need this to go on in our program and if a coach cannot come into a program and run things a certain way and make that his way they're gonna struggle and uh, this is another thought I have I mean if he doesn't win one of his first four iron bowls he's the he's on the hot seat even the first three he's on the hot seat in year four year five. Because at Auburn, really, all you have to do is beat Alabama once every couple years. That's why Gus Malzahn was kept on for so long. We'll talk with Brandon shortly about what he thinks about Gus Malzahn, where he's going to end up. But we'll get into that later. A couple other notes I wanted to make, and this was from a couple weeks back. But the awards in college football, Alabama, much like LSU in 2019, put just... Every single player, it felt like, in the awards in terms of players of the year, first team All-American, second team, first team All-SEC, you name it, Alabama had him there. But a couple people that were robbed, Malachi Moore did not get freshman of the year. He didn't give up a touchdown pass until the SEC championship. And I don't really know what else you want him to do, but my opinion, Malachi Moore got robbed of freshman of the year. Will Reichard got robbed of special teams player of the year. He made every single kick that his foot made contact with the football. And, I, you know, you can knock on wood there, but what else do you want him to do? Kick more field goals? Alabama had such a prolific offense that they didn't need Will Reichard. And whenever they did, he answered the call. He didn't miss a kick all season. So how, how he got robbed of special teams player of the year, I have no idea. And then one more thing. And then people have been tweeting about this and people have said this all throughout bowl season and even before bowl season. Opting out is quitting. I don't care what you think opting out is quitting. You're quitting on your team. And yeah, you can have injuries in the past, you can have high draft stock, your bowl game could not be significant cuz you're in the college football playoff. But as the old saying goes, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And it seems a higher percentage every single year of players are not finishing what they came to college to do. You look at the way Alabama played in the Citrus Bowl last year. The Citrus Bowl did not matter. You had Trayvon Diggs and Terrell Lewis sit out because they had injuries and they were going to the draft. Rightfully so. You got to respect that. And and people that have had injuries in the past all around college football, you got to acknowledge that as well. However, when you got these guys, you look at Florida, for example, in their bowl game. They had a handful of guys sit out and Kyle Trask was just left out for the dogs and threw three interceptions in the first quarter and people like, yeah, well, he didn't have his guys. Well, if Dan Mullen really had a hold on that program, his guys would have been playing in that game. They would have been bought in from the start until the finish and wanted to finish that season. And what happened? They didn't play. Florida just looked awful, and they got absolutely embarrassed by Oklahoma. And so I'm just going to say this once more. Opting out, we're going to call it what it is, it's quitting. Cole Kublick, I think, has said that. He's been a guest on the Galloway Podcast before, so agree with him there. And one more thing in What's New, before we bring in Brandon Marcello here on the Galloway Podcast to break down the national championship, Steve Sarkeesian, obviously the news of him going to Texas, breaking this past weekend. Who's next for Alabama in terms of the offensive coordinator. Now, that's not really a primary concern. The primary concern is Ohio State and looking at the game a week from today when this podcast is being recorded as Alabama plays in the national championship. But Steve Sarkeesian, rightfully so, got the job at Texas. It's a great job for him. It's going to be a great fit. He's going to do really well, I think. And he has the pedigree. You know, he has a head coach coach. Head coaching experience. He's coached in the NFL. He's coached Alabama under Saban. I think it's going to be huge for him moving to Austin. I think and wish him lots of success in his new job. Now, who steps in? You know, a lot of people are saying. Looking at a uh, Alabama Rivals article from Kyle Henderson and Tony Sakalis. Names like Bill O'Brien being thrown out, Chip Long, the offensive coordinator at Tulane, Jeff Lebby, the offensive coordinator at Ole Miss. Lebby really kind of would excite Alabama fans, I feel like, because you look at what he was able to do with Lane Kiffin this year, and wow, they put up a ton of points on offense. A lot of speculation around that. I'm not going to sit here and bore you with a ton of names, but that's something to keep an eye on within the first week or so after Alabama plays Ohio State in the national championship, is who will replace Steve Sarkisian. But let's go ahead and get into the conversation now with Brandon Marcello here on the Galloway Podcast to preview Alabama versus Ohio State in the national championship game that will take place in Miami, January 11th, 2021. Alabama, Ohio State, for all the marbles. I'm joined now by Brandon Marcello, a national college football reporter for 247 Sports. Brandon, good morning. How are you?
1: Morning. I'm great. Um, kind of sad that we only have one more college football game, though.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's been certainly an interesting year. Obviously, a lot of uh, ups and downs, lots of uncertainty, but we made it almost to the end. And looking forward to the game a week from today when this is being recorded, uh, I want to go ahead and ask you about Alabama and Ohio State just if you, if you go back to August and you have insight on what you have now and you say, all right, Ohio State and Alabama are going to play in the national championship, would you be surprised and put yourself in that position?
1: Uh, well, no. If, we were, if, I, if you told me that we were going to have a season of some sort, I would have said no. In fact, Ohio State was my pick to kind of be the, the – not kind of, but to be the national champion. I, I thought that they had all the pieces – Ryan Day had had that team last year playing with a tremendous focus, um, something that they had been lacking for like the last year or two, um, despite all that talent. And I thought after the way they lost to Clemson last year that they would just come out and dominate teams this year. Didn't necessarily happen in the Big Ten, but, boy, they get in the playoff and it's like they're in midseason form. And there's probably a reason for that. It was their seventh game of the year. Uh but uh, certainly, this is not a matchup that is completely unexpected on my part. I think a lot of people were thinking it was going to be Alabama and Clemson, you know, just a week ago. But in the preseason, if you told me it was Alabama and Ohio State, I would have shrugged my shoulders and went, yeah, I get, yeah that, that makes sense. Um, you know, there's probably about five, six teams that had really had a chance. And one of them were Notre Dame in my, my eyes and the other one. In the preseason that I thought was Penn State but that obviously it was nowhere close to happening so um not surprising at all to see this matchup
0: yeah I think from the beginning everybody knew Ohio State was going to have a talented roster and just by and we'll get into this in a minute but the number of games there was a question of whether they were deserving or not when you look at this matchup at first glance what stands out to you between these power programs
1: yeah, it, the trenches to me. I know we could talk all day about you know Justin Fields, Mac Jones, Devonte Smith, Najee Harris, um, but to me, this game is going to be deciding the trenches, like like most college football games. But you know, we get into these postseason games here lately in these last few years, and when you have elite quarterbacks and receivers, they seem to trump anything. That the other defense has. You can be going against an elite defense, but if you have an elite quarterback and receiver, for some reason, that always seems to get the better of the elite defense. That's what we always see. But in this game, when you've got two teams with both have really good offensive and defensive lines, I think it's going to come down to some individual matchups in the trenches in deciding this game because. Both teams are going to get their big plays through the air or on the ground, but it's going to be in those big moments when it's third and two, you know, who gets a stop or who gets, makes the push to go forward. And for me, Ohio State's defensive line is probably the best defensive line, one that Alabama will face all season, but obviously also I think the best defensive line in this playoff among the four teams that were involved and that that big matchup to me is going to be Alabama's backup center replacing Lane and Dickerson against maybe the best defensive tackle in the country at Ohio State. So what happens there? We'll see. But you know, we talk about individual matchups, but I think just overall, Ohio State's defensive line, against that Alabama offensive line is going to be huge. What happens when Mac Jones potentially doesn't have the type of time he's accustomed to to having back there on the flip side, I could say this very same thing about Justin Fields at Ohio State. He's injured. I mean, when you if you injure your ribs, uh, as badly as we saw in that game in the uh, semifinal, you don't get over that in just 10 days. And, you know, there's going to be things they can do to try to protect him and, and everything before that game, you know, medically. But Alabama is going to be gunning for him. And if he—if there's just one, two, or two big hits, that might just mess with his mind enough to where it changes the complexion of the game. And that's all going to come down to the offensive and defensive lines, in my opinion. Everybody's going to talk about these skill players, and most deservedly so. Devontae Smith, if he is not the Heisman Trophy winner, I will, I will be shocked. But this game, I think, is going to come down to those offensive and defensive lines making – a handful of big plays it was fun
0: to watch the uh line play in the um in Alabama semifinal game in the rose bowl as well it, it took one play from notre dame i was there watching it and i saw them run their first play and i turned to my friend sitting next to me and i said they have a monster o-line and uh but talk about the play of chris owens you mentioned him and kind of filling in for landa dickerson and with that defensive tackle matchup he's going up against how would you rate his performance in the semifinal Rose Bowl game? And what does he have to do in order to be successful against Ohio State?
1: I mean, it was pretty good. You know, listen, Notre Dame's defensive line isn't, uh, you know, the best that was in the playoff, whereas their offensive line maybe was the best, maybe right behind Alabama, but because their tight ends made it so good. But uh, to me, um, he did a good job, and especially on a big stage like that. And when you get up, early you know 14 nothing that kind of relaxes things for the center obviously you know you're having the, you have the ball and you you know we talk about the quarterback having the ball in his hand on every play well the center does and it all starts with him he's the most important piece out there really before the the play starts because it he could mess the whole thing up or he could make it a beautiful start to a play it's all about rhythm it's all about Uh, the connection with the quarterback and I I thought it went well uh, in that semifinal game. And I I don't think that you would necessarily see a drop off of any sort in the, in the national championship. So I I don't think, you know, I mean, listen, anything could happen, but I I don't expect that to be an issue at all Uh, at least when it comes to snapping the ball. Now going against Haskell Garrett, that that could be an issue just because, He's kind of in his mid-season form, as I keep saying about Ohio State. He's one of the better defensive tackles in the country. And uh, Alabama's got to find ways to um, kind of take some pressure off of Alabama's center in this game.
0: Offensively, you look at Alabama and they only had 31 points. And you say only 31 because (laughs) they've scored 35 or more, and I think it was 24 consecutive games leading up to that. So, obviously, all season – what adjustments do they need to make? Because this game could very well be a track meet against Ohio State.
1: Yeah, I think this game is probably going to be similar to what we saw in the SEC championship game uh, with Alabama and Florida uh, to a certain extent, though, um, you know, Ohio State's lines are obviously more talented than Florida. Um, to me, this this is a type of game where um, – you know, one team could get up 14 points, and we're, and a lot of people are going to go, "Well, that's it." You know, that, that's it. Now, I don't, I don't see it that way. I think a team could get up 14 in this and rally back. Ohio State proved it against Clemson, and Alabama's explosive enough that they could come back against anybody with Devonte Smith, Najee Harris, and Mac Jones. I, there's just no doubt in my mind. So this could be a game that it's like 28 to 14 at halftime. And we're all kind of like twiddling our thumbs going, well, looks like Alabama or Ohio state's going to win this. And then we have a monster kind of back and forth and then a comeback in the second half. So um, I don't know if it's a game that's going to be, you know, 45 to 38 or something like that, but I could see a game that's like 35 to 31 or, or something like that. Like I said, as we've seen over the years, these, these elite offenses with elite playmakers always trump the big-time defenses, and I think that's still going to be the, the, the fact of the matter at the end of the day. Though, what's going to decide this game are going to be a few big plays that are made by the offensive and defensive lines, and I think that'll keep the scoring from getting into the 40s, but I still think it's, it's going to be a shootout.
0: And you talk about just deserving and that's been a conversation that a lot of people have been saying, Oh, well, this is game eight for Ohio state. This is game 13 for Alabama. In your mind, there's no doubt that Ohio state should be in the position that they're in. Correct.
1: Yeah. I I think they belong in the, in the uh, conversation to be in the playoff and I think they should be in the playoff. I think, you know, not to get too deep here with everything, but with was like Texas A&M when they were discussing, hey, we should be in, and they were really focusing on Notre Dame um, as the number four seed. I thought their argument should be more against, uh, you know, Ohio State because of the amount of games played discussion. Um, but having said that, um, Ohio State obviously proved in the semifinal they did belong there. I I'm of the belief and I've been like this for several years and, and a lot of people just disagree with it. And they just say, you do this, it's going to delete the product. I don't agree. The playoffs should just be eight teams and it especially should have been eight teams this year. I know a lot of people go, well, it, w- what we saw from Notre Dame proves that we don't need eight teams. You don't know that we don't know that till these teams get on the field. People say that too, because Cincinnati got beat by Georgia by a last second field goal. But if we go and look the 18 a- to Kate, Team playoff, Georgia and Cincinnati would both have been in it, and guess what? Still would have been a close game if they had matched up, and obviously would have been deserving to be in the top eight. So this idea that we just need to keep it to four, I, I don't like it. And if you expand it to eight, we might have some controversy. But it, the controversy is going to be about the ninth and eighth best teams in the country, and until we have the number eight team in the country in a playoff win the national championship, it's not going to be an issue. But here's my issue. The college football playoff, the number four team has won the national championship more than once. So we need to expand. That's not the reason to expand it, but there's several reasons to expand it. I thought this was the perfect year to at least do it temporarily um, because of the situation we're in and the argument of is Ohio State deserving because the amount of games they play because everybody's playing different amount of games, we should have expanded it this year just to, one, as a trial basis to see how it worked out, but, two, we're in such a unique situation that it needed to be done so we made sure we crowned the best team in, in, in the country because, you know, listen, if we left Ohio State out and knowing now what we do know now, Man, what a huge mistake that would have been!
0: Yeah, and a lot of people talk about, oh, Ohio State didn't deserve. You know, well, you think back a couple of years when Alabama lost to Auburn in the Iron Bowl, didn't have the chance to play in the SEC championship, and as you mentioned, winning the national championship as a four seed, uh, Alabama was able to pull that off. Now, you know, that's a whole different story, and I would love the talk college football playoff expansion. Uh, I think this year, as you mentioned, would have been a good year to do it, even to six teams, and you give one and two a buy. Um, but that is something that's been kind of picking at my mind. And it does, you know, it, it has for the past seven years. Um, but I want to ask you about Alabama's defense now, looking at Ohio State. Brian Branch was in for Malachi Moore this week. It, I think Coach Saban said uh, Malachi was banged up a little bit in practice, wasn't fully ready to go. Brian really stepped up. But talk about the Alabama secondary against these Ohio State receivers and just the, the way that you saw – Ohio State just exploit the Clemson secondary. How does Alabama have to lock up and be ready to go for the Buckeyes?
1: Well, I'll say this. Clemson secondary was was the worst, is the worst in in the playoffs. So to see uh, Ohio State exploit that, not much of a surprise. So they expected them to get some big plays against them. Alabama, different. It's going to be a different challenge there. And, and again, it goes back to, for me, it's just how – Justin Fields feels throwing the ball. But um, listen, Alabama's defense, you know, everybody was giving them heck after that old miss game. And then after that, Alabama completely turned things around and, and made it seem like it was the defenses of old. But still, when you get up against these elite offenses, you're going to give up points. We saw it against Florida, even though Alabama was really in control of that game the entire time. And then, you know, it got close near the end or whatever. You know, I never felt like Alabama was in danger of losing that game because I felt like their defense would just get that one or two stops that they needed like they did against Ole Miss and obviously did against Florida. But I think in this game, you know, we talk about, you know, I think Alabama's got a great defense, but, you know, Ohio State's going to get theirs. They're going to get their plays. But it's going to come down to just like in the Florida SEC championship game and the Ole Miss game on the road, getting one or two stops – in the third and fourth quarters to, to kind of change things for Alabama. And Alabama's more than capable of doing that. I've got more confidence in Alabama to do that than Ohio State because I've seen, you know, Alabama do it. You know, Ohio State's been really threatened once, uh, and that was against Indiana when they had that huge comeback in the second half but still lost by a touchdown. And that was because Ohio State got a couple of stops in the fourth quarter. But we'll see. Um, I I still think we could talk all day about matchups in the secondary and the receivers for Ohio State. Ohio State's going to get theirs. Um, And so will Alabama, obviously. But um, to me, Alabama is just built better, even with players being replaced and some injuries and other things they're dealing with, to get the stops and those big moments because they've proven it already this season twice.
0: Somebody that was an unsung hero for Alabama, uh, and he's he's played well all season. Coach Saban talked about how well he played, but it was DeMarco Helms in the Rose Bowl. He had led the team for Alabama with 12 tackles. Um, if you had to put your guess on who will be the unsung hero for Ohio State, who will be the unsung hero for Alabama, who would your wild cards be?
1: Oh, my goodness, that's a great question. Um... Number one, I wish Jalen Waddell, we knew for sure, was playing in this game because I'd say him. Uh, uh, you know, you say unsung, but for me, I mean, you always, you always, when you hear that, everybody wants you to say a name that no one's heard of or that's just going to suddenly pop up. But, but to me, the unsung hero for Alabama in a game like this is going to be Najee Harris, even though, Listen, he's going to be the best running back on the field, even with Trey Sermon doing what he's doing. But the team that can dominate the ground in this game, especially in the second half, to keep the ball out of the other team's hands and also maybe salt away a win's going to win. And Najee could do that. And he's going to be the type of guy that I thought against Notre Dame was going to have a big game. And he still had a big game. But I thought they were just going to pound it down Notre Dame's throat to kind of prove a point. <laughs> but – I think a guy like Najee Harris um, is probably going to be the guy that, you know, maybe has a better game statistically than, say, Devontae Smith. We're so used to seeing Devontae Smith have 150, 170, 200 yards or whatever. But I think Najee is probably going to be the guy that ends up maybe even being the MVP uh, in a game like this for Alabama. As for Ohio State, I not an unsung hero again, but if they're going to beat Alabama, it's going to have to be Haskell Garrett um, making some plays along that defensive line against a quote unquote backup center for Alabama. But, you know, it's funny. We talk about backups in games like this having to come in, but they're all four and five star guys. So they're all very talented. But if, if Ohio state's going to have a chance at picking at that, Alabama offensive line they're going to have to do it in the middle. They're not going to be able to do it with speed. And the, and one more thing on that, you know, I forgot to mention, you know, Clemson kind of got away from this, but Clemson had a lot of success when attacking the perimeter against Ohio State's defense. Ohio State's defense is not very fast sideline to sideline. And boy can Alabama exploit that with the playmakers they've got, especially with DeVonte Smith. If they can do that, I mean, um, Alabama's going to win this thing and, and stick with it because I don't think Ohio State can properly adjust to that.
0: Brendan I always like to finish with a couple of quick hitters, and um, we could go into full in-depth conversation about the Gus Malzahn and Auburn and Brian Harson, but a couple questions for you as we wrap up here for some short answers. Uh, your favorite bowl game, who will replace Steve Sarkeesian, and where will Gus Malzahn land in the future? I think... Currently, he's probably sitting on a beach somewhere. Um, but once again, your favorite bowl game this year? Who will replace Steve Sarkeesian, and then where will Gus Malzahn land?
1: Uh, my favorite bowl game. The favorite. My favorite bowl game setting is the Rose Bowl. It is absolutely beautiful. Um, I haven't been there since January 2014, but it, it just sticks out in my mind. I still got pictures. I was going through them uh, before this Rose Bowl in Arlington. Was going through them and tweeting, you know, we'll, we'll be back next year. Uh, just a fantastic setting, um, uh, for any postseason event. I think it's the most beautiful spot for a postseason event, uh, in in all sports. Um, Steve Sarkeesian, who replaces him? That's a great question. Um, I, I think that I'm trying to think of some OCs out there, you know. I thought for uh, you know a second there that maybe it would be interesting to see jeff grimes from byu make that make that shift over to the sec and be back in the sec and but i i don't it, that's obviously not happening he's going to baylor um but listen um nick saban is going to have his pick of the litter so to speak and and be able to make a great decision there i don't know who that guy will end up being um Maybe you go get major Applewhite again. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how Alabama fans feel about that. And uh, uh, Gus Malzahn. Yeah, he's. I don't think he's going to coach next year. Um, I think he's spending some time with his grandkids and uh, just enjoying life right now. And as you said, um, with a big buyout like that, why not? Why not enjoy some time? But, you know, it's interesting. You know, I, I know him pretty well this is the first time in his life he's ever been fired from a job. Um, He's never had a losing season except for his first year as a high school coach, like back in 1990 or 91. Um, And uh, so this is a little weird for him. And, but I I do think he'll go back into coaching somehow, some way, but it'll have to be as a head coach and it probably will have to be at a power five program. and, And that might be, kind of difficult to get into, but especially because of geographic restrictions for him, I think it's going to have to be like in the ACC or somewhere else in the SEC or maybe the Big 12. We'll see what happens. It's obviously not going to happen for 2021, but uh, next off season, you might see his name pop up again.
0: Absolutely. Brandon Marcello of 247 Sports, thank you for taking some time in this week as we prepare for the national championship to discuss that and discuss a lot of other things. Once again, thanks so much.
1: Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Once again,
0: thanks to Brandon Marcello of 247 Sports for taking some time. And the Gus Malzon conversation is one that, like I said, we could have for an hour and a half. We could talk for days on end about the hire of Brian Harson. but there's a lot more news to discuss. And as we do in the Galloway podcast, we want to go in and around Alabama athletics. So plenty of coverage we had there talking about Alabama and Ohio State. Obviously the Heisman Trophy presentation is Tuesday night, once again, the Galloway Podcast, episode 63, is being recorded on Monday, so that will be tomorrow night. Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, or Heisman finalist, Najee Harris, is a uh, fifth place, so I don't want to say semifinalist. He finished in fifth place in the Heisman voting, and of course, they put the Heisman finalist in by natural break, and so Najee finishes fifth. Kyle Trask, Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones are all... Finalist and the Heisman winner will be announced Tuesday at 6 p.m. on ESPN. And if Devonte Smith doesn't win, I am not exactly sure why people even vote because he's undisputed the best player in college football. And the semi—once again, the semifinal game does not count because the Heisman votes were already submitted. But I think the Heisman should be after the fact of the whole season, even though it's an award given for it's a regular season award. Um, Devontae Smith should absolutely run away with the Heisman. Looking elsewhere around Alabama athletics, men's and women's basketball. Boy, we've got a lot to discuss there. Alabama men got a top 10 road win on Saturday over Tennessee, but this road does not get any easier here. Alabama will take on Florida on Tuesday. The Crimson Tide are number 36 in Ken Palm rankings. Florida is number 22, so a big challenge for Alabama as they try and stay undefeated in conference play. The Crimson Tide is 7-3 overall. They are 2-0 in conference play. Alabama's won three in a row. And Nate Oates and his guys are 4-1 at home this season. So trying to build on that versus Florida Tuesday night in Coleman Coliseum. They're playing really well so far and they shot the lights out at Tennessee. John Petty was 4-4 for from beyond the arc. He had 17. Shackelford had No, it was, uh, excuse me, it was Quinterly had 12 points, 5 assists, and Herbert Jones and Joshua Primo added 11 points each. Herb Jones grabbed 8 rebounds. Also in Alabama athletics, staying on the hardwood. Alabama women's basketball is having a fantastic season. They went undefeated in non-conference play. They are currently 8-0, and and tonight on Monday, they face number four South Carolina in Tuscaloosa. I'll be at that game looking forward to seeing the product that Christy Curry puts on the floor You know, Alabama's struggled and been hit tough with some recent injuries um, in years past. But this year, they have three players in double-figure scoring. They average 82 points a game as a team. And not just stat-wise, but you look at what they've been able to do in their body of work this year, especially in the first conference game versus Missouri. Alabama women's basketball is something to definitely keep an eye on and a huge test On Monday night, as they take on South Carolina, number four ranked Gamecocks, Dawn Staley brings her team in to Tuscaloosa for a huge game for Christy Curry and her squad. That's going to do it for Around Alabama Athletics. The spring seasons are coming up as spring semester begins here in just a couple days at the University of Alabama. The Galloway podcast. We're wrapping it up here on episode 63. Today, we went around what's new, talked about some recent happenings in the past couple weeks. Once again, this is the first episode of 2021. We are approaching two full years of the Galloway Podcast entering year three. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, if you are interested in merchandise, I've got a couple hats left, Nike Galloway Podcast hats. They're $22. Tumblers, koozies, golf towels, coffee mugs, and a couple t-shirts left. So any Galloway podcast merchandise, if you want to rep that in the new year, contact me on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway. This is episode 63 of the Galloway podcast, where there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's the Galloway.